You're now listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. A Place of Refuge vision is to cause people to be productive in every aspect of life according to God's Word. For more information, please stop by our website at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Now, here's today's message already in progress. When you compare an ant to a human, it's basically a lopsided comparison. Because a human is larger, stronger, and more resistant than an ant. A human can take a portion, that top portion of his or her finger, kneel down and just squash the life right out of an ant. A human and an ant were created by the Lord. But a human, according to Genesis 1 and 27, was created in the image of God. The likeness of God. A human, unlike and ant has the capability of doing certain things that God himself does. A human can speak languages just like God. God himself gave humans amazing ability. In Genesis 1 and 26, Humans, specifically the first human, Adam, was given dominion over everything. Everything. And, and so again, when you consider that, the, the, the comparison between a human and an ant is lopsided. But also, you have to consider the fact that a human can do in one hour or less what it will take an ant to do in a lifetime. One hour or less what it would take an ant to do in a lifetime. However, Despite how lopsided the comparison is, Solomon said that it is essential, necessary to go and consider what's taking place with the ant. 
It would have been different if it would have been just a person that likes to talk. A person that does not really know about this, that, and the other who would have said go to the ant. Would have been different. But we are talking about Solomon. We are, we are talking about a man that that first, when you consider him from a historical as well as a biblical standpoint, was very astute or intelligent. When you consider him from just an ecclesiastical or ecclesiastical standpoint, he was a person that is defined as a preacher because of his knowledge and understanding of God himself. Solomon was, was so in touch with the will of God and what needed to be done in reference to God's kingdom that when God himself and Solomon, what is it that you want me to do for you. What is it that you want me to give you? Instead of Solomon asking for a whole pile of money, instead of him asking for a whole lot of stuff that most people would have asked for at the time, Solomon just simply said, just give me some knowledge. Give me what it takes to lead your people. Give me what I need because I don't want to mess your folk up. I don't want to be the cause of your folk backsliding. I don't want to be the cause of your folks not functioning in the manner that they need to function. So just give me what I need in order to lead your people. It's a message to the pastors because sometimes you have pastors that, that want to do things their way or they want to be a copycat to somebody that, that's quote unquote successful when it comes to church growth. But the best advice that you can get when it comes to your situation or specifically to leading people is the advice that comes from God or that comes from his word. God is profound in telling, in telling leaders to do certain things that when you look at what he gives particular leaders is not that is something that's extreme or profound in the sense of being that, but things that are very simple. Pastor, if you want to leave your congregation right, all you have to do is just feed them with knowledge and understanding. You ain't got to try to prophesy on everybody in the congregation. All you have to do is just feed them with knowledge and understanding. All you have to do is just be the first partaker of what is being said and, let, and tell the people just get behind you as you follow me. That's all you have to do if you want a successful pastor. Solomon said, just give me what it takes to lead your people. If God has something for what is it you want? Lord, I want to go all around the world singing, teaching, 
evangelize. Lord, let me be on certain stages. Lord, give me a word for the multitudes. Because you said, Lord, that, that, that we ought to go all around the world. So let me go all around the world. But again, Solomon said, just give me what I need to lead your people. He had a servant's heart. And whenever you are around a leader, a pastor, a such that has a servant's heart, you are in the presence of greatness. Saints of God, if you have a pastor that has a servant's heart that is concerned about fulfilling the assignment, a purpose that God has given him or her, you are in the presence of greatness. Even Jesus himself said, the greatest among you shall be your servant. He'll be willing to, to, to grab a towel and then kneel down and start washing your feet. Be willing to, to do something special just to make sure that you're taken care of. Jesus went out of his way just to make sure that his disciples were taken care of. He was a servant. But Solomon was also a person that was God, God conscious. He was God conscious. And so, when you consider our text, Proverbs 6, 6 through 8, again, it's not just anybody saying go to the ant. It's a person that had the understanding of the things of God as well as the things of the world. So he says again, go. Go to the ant. Do what, Solomon? Number one, consider Consider her ways. Consider her ways. Contextually, he was basically saying, watch attentively everything that one ant, one female ant is doing. Go out in your front yard. Go to the nearest parking lot. It's not hard to find one. If it is, just drop a piece of peppermint somewhere. They'll sniff out the sugar and before you know it, they'll be on top of the peppermint. And just watch them. Just watch her. Watch 
her. Watch her ways. Just look at everything that's taking place. And, and again, because Solomon was deemed the preacher in Ecclesiastes, you don't need to just be attentive just from a literal standpoint. You need to have the mindset of the ecclesia, the church, or in particular, a worker of the church. You just can't be attentive or look at what the ant is doing from a natural standpoint. You, you have to look at it as a church worker. Look at it as a praise team worker. Look at it as an usher. Look at what that female is doing as a greeter. Oh, that female ant is not making any sound, but you can learn something, choir member. If you just watch, say to your neighbor that one ant, that one female. Now notice what he says, consider her ways and then the second thing and be wise. After you have considered the ways, after you have examined closely what is taking place, after you have recorded in your being knowledge and understanding, then be wise. Use the knowledge that you have received from the ant. Use the understanding that you have received from that female. Use it. Use what you have received from that female. And see, being wise is not only using what you receive, but it's also profiting from it. See, because if God is going to be in anything, you're, you're, you're going to see profit there. See, some auxiliaries, you have to recognize that, that it can't be God because there's no profit in it. Yeah, you're in the church, but because the auxiliary is not putting out what it should be putting out, there's no God in it. But we pray, yeah, you're praying, but if God is in it, there's going to be profit coming out of it. If profit is not coming out of it, something is wrong. And I'm not just talking about profit from a numerical standpoint, but it should be some type of benefit that should come out of that auxiliary. That auxiliary should be a blessing to the church. It should be a blessing to the community. It should be a blessing in whatever area that it is meant to touch. If the choir is not touching somebody's heart through singing, there is no God in the choir. If folks are not being convicted when certain songs are, are sung, there is no God in the choir. If something is not taking place in your auxiliary that your auxiliary is known for, there is no God in it. He said, Pastor, that's a big statement, and, and I mean it. If I'm preaching the word the way that, that I should be preaching it and I don't see no benefits coming from the word and the Bible says that the word should be quick, it should be powerful and so forth, I should be seeing something. If I'm not, 
There's no God in it. And don't look like that. Because you can be all up in the church. But Ichabod can be upon you. Back in the days of Samuel, even the priests couldn't identify when God had left. They couldn't even call the shot. It took a woman that was in labor to recognize that the church had gotten so backslidden that folks had bagged so far off God to where when she birthed the baby, she declared out of her mouth that Ichabod... Is going to be my baby's name. Reason being the spirit of the Lord has departed from the church. There are churches who have auxiliaries that, that, that they are astute when it comes to business. They are growing numerically, but on close examination, there is no God in it, even though You see movement. You see profit. When God is in something, you're going to see profit that is based upon the Holy Writ. See, we let folks impress us that that we shouldn't allow to impress us. God is impressed by people that carry out his word. You got auxiliaries that are trying to be so much like the world to where God has to step back and say, I can't get involved in that. I can't put myself in that because they're trying to follow the pattern of that worldly church instead of my scripture. I can't get in that. Do you know that, that there are choirs you can hear? It's, there's no God in it. There is competition in it. Folk trying to be like somebody else, but no God. You have gifted preachers. Preach the socks off some folk. They're so gifted. But no God in it. No anointing in it. All you see is a parade of flesh. And you don't even have to have the Holy Ghost to know that it's flesh that's being displayed in a sacred place. And so, it has to be to the point to where a difference needs to be made. It, it has to be a distinction between what is God and what is not of God when it comes to your auxiliary. Whatever is not of God should be kicked to the curb. It should be put out of the auxiliary because every ministry in the church should glorify God. Every ministry in the church should glorify God. That's the primary thing that should take place. Are you with me so far? And so you you have to put into action and recognize that if God is in it, there is going to be profit, but it's going to be profit according 
to his word. You can't be tricked. You can't be tricked thinking that, that, that God is in certain things. No. It's certain things that are deemed of God. But when you look at close examination, Ichabod is all there. Now notice, after considering the ways of the female ant and using what you have considered, he then talks about the specific person that needs to go to the female land. Look at the text. The sluggard. The sluggard. He's not talking about a sluggard from a denotative standpoint. Because that would rule a number of us out. Because you, you, you're quick to tell somebody that, that I'm not a sluggard. Every time the doors of the church open, I'm present. Every time my ministry goes out to do particular things, I'm there. So because it's a proverb and, and because we're talking about a God-conscious man's words, you have to look at a sluggard from a connotative standpoint, which first of all means that it is a person that is not consistent in carrying out goals, objectives, or such. Ecclesiastically, it is a person that is not consistent in uniting with brothers and sisters in fulfilling the mission of the vision of the church and the auxiliary. You, you got folk in church that, that, that they are good at doing particular things. They are consistent in them. If there's certain things that, that a pastor needs a minister to do, he won't have any problem. Pastor say, look, I need you to do such and such, minister such and such. Okay, pastor. Well, you got it. Look, I had something planned, but look, don't even worry about it. I'll just make arrangements. I'm going to be there. Why? Because of what the pastor asked the minister to do. It's something that the minister may want to do. But see, when you, when you are a servant, there are going to be tasks that you are going to be asked to do that you don't want to do. There will be tasks that you will consider menial, but as a worker of God, you still have to be willing to do what's, what's necessary. You still have to be willing to do what's necessary. 
And, and you have to be consistent more than anything. That, that's the biggest problem in the church. You take the choir. You take for a while, you, you'll see 60 folks in the choir. You'll be like, good God, look at the stage. All them folk in the choir. But let five or six months go by. What's going on up there? And, and so you reach the conclusion it was 60 up there, but 30 were sluggards. They did not see the need to be consistent. You, you're in ministers meeting, you, you explain, you explain perfectly what it is to be an MC of a program. You go over it again and again and again, but then the minister gets up and makes the same mistake that he or she has made time and time again. And so you have to reach the conclusion she or he is a sluggard. Pastor, you heard what was said at the leaders meeting. You heard what was said we need to do as pastors. But, but here we are and you're doing the same thing again. You have to reach the conclusion, sadly, that, that even sluggards are among pastors. First lady, you're up, you're down, you're up, you're down, you're up, you're down. You're not consistent. So you have to reach the conclusion that even sluggers are amongst pretty, wonderful first ladies. DNC a sluggard is also a person that has yet to act like he or she knows how important it is to be about business, especially God's business. Even though the pastor has took them to the book of, book of Luke, I believe it is, and, and, and showed them that, that even at the age of 12, Jesus said to his parents that he must be about God's business. I gotta be about God's business. I got to be about Achieving some things. I can't, I, I can't be in, in the place I am now. Next year. So, so I've got to be about achieving some stuff. I, I can't just let my business go down. I've, I've got to do what is essential. I've got to do what is necessary in order to get 
this business out of the hole that is in so I can move forward because quitting is not an option. Pastor done told me time and time again to take care of this business and I done dropped the towel too many times. I'm going to get my act together and be about the father's business because I recognize it is essential. So you have to be to the point to where when, when it comes to business that you see the need to do it and to do it the way it should be done. I must be about what? The Father's business. Now, now get this. To Jesus, that means at, at the age of 12, that God needed to be first in his life. One of the greatest tragedies in the church is that you have parents that teach their children that education is first. Yeah, in this church and in other churches, you teach your child that education is first when you should be instilling in him or her that God is first. Let them know if you get God in your life right, it'll work out for you in school. It'll work out for you in sports. It'll work out for you in this, that, and the other. Now hold your claps because you may be upset by the time I say something else. And, and see, it's evident that you are a sluggard when it comes to this. And this is the reason. You have, you have parents in this church. This church. I can talk about the church I pastor. Bible say, "No them that labor." I know. Go to the extreme of making sure your child gets to a school event, but just the opposite when it comes to a God ordained event. You see that place up there? That's a God-ordained church for children. That's a God-ordained place for children to get everything that God has desired for them to have in their life so they can be like Jesus at the age of 12 or before the age of 12 to be about his business. I know it ain't, I know it ain't popular to say it, but it's right. Listen to this. I have to be about business. That, that means everything is secondary when it comes to the things of God. Everything is secondary. Wife is secondary. Children are secondary. Why? God is first. What do you want from me, God? I want you, Walker, to love me with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, and with all of your might. I want everything from you, Walker. Walker, I want everything from you because I am a jealous God. I am a God that, that, that when I look at you in the morning, I want to know that I'm on your mind. 
When I look at you on the stage, I want to know that you carry out my business because I am a jealous God. So sluggards are people that are not are not consistent. Sluggards are people that are not about the business of God. And sluggards are people that hinder the good and pleasant things that God has ordained for an auxiliary our church from coming to fruition. I'm going to say something that's tough, but I mean it from my heart. I'm happy when certain folk leave a place of refuge. Hold your claps. Let me talk. Especially if they're in leadership and are not, and are not about business and act as if they don't want to submit to authority. Sometimes I'll be like, God, can I just set them down? They don't want to do the right thing. God say, you just hold up. I'm working with him. I'm dealing with him. I'm, I'm working on her. I'm dealing with her. And if she does not soon submit to my order, I'll do the removing myself. That's the reason when some folks have left the church, instead of it being a grief, instead of it being a burden, it's like a blessing. Close my door and privately shout, privately dance, because they finally left. That weight is finally off of me. Don't look at me like that because in John the 6th chapter there was some folk when Jesus tried to strain them up, strain them out. They didn't want to listen to it and so they left and Jesus looked at the 12 and he said, are you also going? Why? Because in his spirit was a consistency that he must be about his father's business and he was not going to allow anything or anybody to hinder him from fulfilling it. See, if a person is not going to follow their pastor consistently, you're hindering the ministry. Get this, especially if you have been in church for years and you still playing the fool. Come on, Brother Deacon. Pastor, I don't know if I... Brother Deacon, come on now, I'm going. If, if, I, if I'm following him and he said, you follow me, like, come on. But keep lagging or fall off. Keep doing the same foolishness over and over again. And then God say, be gone. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. That's your name if you are sluggard. It's essential that you see the ant tonight. 
and there are some sluggers in here. There are sluggers in every section. Maybe a sluggard on every other row. Based upon my definition. And so, the bottom line that you see when it comes to the female ant in the text is that she is a worker. But not just a normal worker. She is a diligent worker. A diligent worker. And, and for you to really get in your being what it is to be a diligent worker, it's important to go back to the root meanings of diligent. The first meaning to value highly. You have to value what you do in the church highly. See, see, some folks, they, they're trying to wait till they get to their final plays to get happy about it. I know God, I, I know I'm, I'm in the evangelistic ministry right now, but God called me to be an evangelist. God called me to be an apostle. Yeah, but, but, but if you expect God to get you to that place, you got to be faithful where you are right now. Because if you're not faithful where you are right now, you may get to that place, but it won't be because God is with you. Because God says if he's going to promote you, you have to be faithful over little first. How are you going to tell everybody you're going to be an apostle one day and we can't even get you to usher right? You must going to be a, a, an apostle according to the standards of the world because there's no way you can be an apostle according to the standards of God. But it's tough, ain't it? Say to your neighbor, he's talking, he talking truth tonight. But it's tough truth. You're faithful over? Look, look, look. God will promote you. Now you got some folks, if, if you got the right holler, you got the right scream, you got the right hoop, they will put you up in the pulpit, but not God. Not God. It won't be God doing it. And then he says, to whom much is given, much is required. So if he going to give me what I know he has put in me to have, I've got to sacrifice myself. I've got to serve faithfully where God has placed me. David had been anointed to be king. But at the time that he was anointed, it took him 15 years to get To be king over Judah and thereafter over Judah and Israel. And get this, 
it took him that long and the person that he was supposed to succeed was trying to kill him the entire about the entire time that he was trying to get there but david was so Humble, he was such a servant to where even though Saul was trying to kill him, he served Saul faithfully despite him trying to take his life. See, if God has an anointing on you to do something, it's going to start with you being serious about where you are right now. It's going to start with you being diligent of valuing highly. You got to value highly where you are right now. You got to value the value being an usher. Value being a greeter. Value being whatever capacity you hold within the ministry. You have to value that. I was proud to put on my white gloves and stand at the door with my hands behind my back. I was proud to open and close the door. I, I, was, I was proud because there was only one door in the church. And I was in charge of that one door. And I would open it. And when folks come in, I would close it. I was faithful. I knew God had more for me. But I wanted to do it his way. Because the Bible says the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Lord, I don't want to make no step unless I know you're telling me to make it. So if it takes me 15 years, if it takes me 20 years, if it takes me 40 years like it took Caleb 40 years, so be it. I just want to be in your will. Caleb had to deal with mean folk in the wilderness, folk that didn't want to obey God, but he, but he stayed humble. He was consistent in doing the will of God until he finally, after 40 years, received what God had promised him. The second meaning of diligent is to choose. You have to choose not only to value highly, you, you have to choose whatever God has told you to be about or to do, get this, directly or indirectly. Don't fight your pastor, don't fight your leader if it's according to the word. If it's right. Nobody can force you to do anything. You have to choose because that's what God made every person. A free moral agent. And so getting back to the female end. She was a diligent worker. Now understand this. The female ant 
that we can, we are considering in the text. Again was a worker. So that says she was not the queen. She was not the queen. The queen is the only hand that can be impregnated. The worker at in the text is sterile, a barren, incapable of having little ants, incapable of doing so. Then you have the male ant. The male ant is, is gifted in being intimate with the queen ant as well as having special wings and a special position within the ant kingdom. But the male ant does not have to go outside of the complex that's underground to help the female or the worker ants. Stays close to the queen. There to serve the queen. And so the worker ant, not like the queen, not like the male, the worker ant is primarily known for working. Primarily known for working, for doing purposeful things within the ant kingdom. And see, that's what we need to have in the church. We need to have folk that, that your main thing is that you are a worker. When folk ask you what you do, I am a worker in God's church. Now, the female ant is such a good worker that notice according to the text, She does not need an overseer, a ruler, a guide. Bottom line, she does not need to be micromanaged. Does not need to be micromanaged. Well, let me let me go out here and see if, if the musicians uh they keeping their area clean. Well, let me go out here and, and look and see if the helps ministry got everything prepared. In certain churches, you have to micromanage folk. Folk that have been in the church for years and get this, know how things should be done, but you still have to tell them. So remember I told you 10 years ago, not well, well, 10 years ago plus last year, well, well, let me go back. Year for that and last year, and you know, I told you earlier this year that you, you need to make sure such and such. You're being micromanaged because you're not doing what you should be doing. 
But after you have been doing something so long, you, you should be operating in excellence. But as long as you're being micromanaged, it says about you that excellence is not a part of your ministry. As long as I have to micromanage musicians, does not matter how gifted they are in playing, does not matter how, how they can pick up on any song, they're not operating in excellence. They're being micromanaged. And so lies the reason why sluggers need to go to the female ant because the female ant does not need to be micromanaged. The female ant is diligent in doing what she needs to do. What does she need to do? Contextually, she, she needs to make sure that she provides and gathers. She needs to make sure that she provides and gathers. And get this. She provides for a queen that can have babies and she can't have one. She provides and gathers for a male ant that is gifted but does not have to go on top and bring back one crumb of bread to the complex. And even though she has to provide and gather for the queen and the male ant, it's not a problem for her. She does not allow that to stop her from gathering. Does not allow that to stop her from providing. That's the mentality you have to have in the church. Pastor don't understand these four. It, it don't matter that he don't understand. You still need to do your. I done lost some of y'all now. I better try that one more time. It does not matter if the pastor does not understand the way you want him to understand. You still need to do your. And so she continues. She continues. And in my clothes, understand this. The one thing that is impressive to me about the female ant that is not in the text, but in that I deal with them every week. Every week. Understand this. They suffer more loss than any insect I know. They suffer loss from humans. They have this, they have this nice pile that they're in. And here, here, here I come on my lawnmower. And I just wipe out their mound just like that. Then sometime if they keep doing stuff, I'll just get a stick, put a little hole there, pour some water in it, and then pour some poison and just watch them fall out. (laughs) 
And then sometimes you, you can see an ant carrying a piece of bread and the bread is bigger than the ant. But before the ant can get back to the complex, a predator will destroy the ant. And so, and so you look at all of the laws that an ant incurs. I, I, I was, I, I was looking one day that I had destroyed this ant pile. I was like, good God, it's, it's got to be thousands that I just killed. And I destroyed them ants in less than two minutes. Less than two minutes. I, I destroyed them in two minutes. They just falling out. Mount gone. But guess what? Even though ants incur laws after laws after laws, they keep going. They don't stop. That's the reason he wanted he wanted the slugger to go to the church. Because your neighbor say, You're gonna have some hard times. It's gonna get rough for you. But despite how rough it gets, despite losses you may incur, you need to stay consistent. You need to continue doing the work of God no matter what. Well, we just had three that just, that just quit the praise team. That does not matter. I don't care if it gets down to one. We still gonna have praise service. In the church, you're going to have laws. In the church, you're going to have laws for several reasons. In the church, you're going to have laws that you're going to shout about, but you're also going to have laws that you're going to regret. But look at your neighbor and say, you can't live in regret. Because if you live in regret, you will stop the restoration of God. If you live in regret, you will hold back God's hand for blessing you twice as much with something. Despite what you lost. If you handle regret, if you handle laws right, God will turn right around and bless you with more and get this and something better. Uh, someone better and I'm done let's give the Lord a big hand thank you for listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker please stop by our website for more information on our church at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org until next time remember Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly